Second down and 10, empty set for Watson. Backs to throw, he's got time, gonna loft it deep down the near sideline, looking for Hopkins, and Hopkins! They're gonna call that a catch and a touchdown for DeAndre Hopkins. Second touchdown tonight, and the Texans are right back on top. They now lead 19 to 17, with 12.34 to go in the game. Brissett drops a throw on fourth and seven. He's got time, he's got time, dancing in the pocket, steps up, still looking, still looking. Now he's gonna run upfield, and he will be twisted upfield, and it looks like he's gonna be about a yard short. Needed to get to the 40, and his knee will go down at the 41. And he is gonna lop the ball deep downfield, and the game clock expires. That's the final play of the game, and the Houston Texans knock off the Indianapolis Colts 20 to 17. Yeah, yeah, that is a um, a crushing, crushing blow to the Colts' playoff hopes. Last night in Houston, Colts lose 20-17. Matt Taylor there on the highlights. We're back Friday morning. Rare, very rare Friday morning podcast. Here on Kevin's Corner, uh, Joey Molinaro across the way. Um, Man, just the lack of chunk plays, giving up the chunk plays. That's the storyline. Your star receiver who has owned that franchise for so many years. Um, honestly, doing his best Eric Ebron impression. Just so many, so many things to get into on this podcast. And, you know, playoff chances are still there, Joey. Definitely. They yeah. are. Yeah. But as we said on Monday's podcast, they took a serious hit last night. They were going to shift one way or the other. They're going to shift to north of 80% or fall down to around 35%. And they're down around 35 and now you need help. You need help to try and win your first division title since 2014. And you know, I was always curious, Joey, something we talked about, like would playing with fire in all these one-possession games, would it start to go the other way? Mm-hmm. Would water find its level? Would you regress to the mean? Insert your little phrase you want to insert here. Three out of your last four one-possession games, three losses. You know, it just seems like that's caught up to the Colts. I think they're now 5-5 five and five in one-possession games this year. Yeah. You know, it's just it's kind of like, okay, yeah, it's a bit of a staple of, man, we're finding ways to win close games. Not every team does that. Well, yeah, I right. guess. But, you know, over the course of a 16-game season, how much does that catch up to you? And Sure. I mean, we have alluded to it so many times in this podcast all year long. It's why we do things you like, things you didn't like, and we try to accurately critique this football team because it's not all rose petals. It's not all awful in 60 minutes of football. And I would say one of our common threads all year long has been the lack of a vertical passing game. This offense has not done enough all year and pumping the ball down the field. Not even close to pumping the ball down the field. And it showed up last night in just an ugly manner. I mean, that was the first time I think we've really been like, that is where the chunk of the blame goes. And it goes on a multiple multiple faceted blame Yeah, that we'll get into. Um, any other kind of big takeaways before we get into things that I didn't like? And no, we'll touch on all of them uh, and, and your things you like, things you didn't like before you know we get into Twitter questions. Uh, but yeah, it's just wild, man. That really, I mean, everybody always talks about either turnovers or big plays, and you had the two bombs to Hopkins, and that's it. Yeah, me a Fuller. Yeah. Fuller had a couple bombs Ooh, as he well. Big, he had a big night, but those two, those two scores, yeah, the difference. They, they, they were, and you know, it's. 
there's a guy on Twitter by the name of Scott Kasmer does a lot of like deep analytics looks, and he had a stat of like when teams outrush an opponent by at least 75 yards, when they win the turnover battle, when they dominate 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 time of possession. Um, easy for me to say on this Friday. They're 139 and four since 2016. 139 and four. The Colts have now lost two of those four games Oof. this season. Chargers mm. was was the other one, and I'm a big Frank Wright guy. You know that, Joey. Our listen, our listeners know that. But I have said all year long that this. Offense has got to evolve. If you want to play in January, it's got to evolve. Mm -hmm. It hasn't evolved, and that's why you need help. You need help in the final month. So it's a holiday season. We pray for a lot of things this time of year. Hey, start praying for losses to uh, the Texans, the Raiders, the Bills, and sorry to say it, but your Steelers as well. That's Hey, that's that's part of it. That's how it goes. So we'll do – like we normally do, we'll start with things that you didn't like after a Colts loss, Kevin. And let's just pick up right where you started, the vertical passing game. One of seven. One of seven on passes that traveled north of 10 yards. I'm used to seeing that from Navy, Army, you know. Uh, two holding penalties, third and 26 for Navy. They're going to throw a 40-yard pass to their slot back who's going to basket catch it and get a first. Like, mm-hmm. that's not an NFL stat. What One of seven on passes north of 10 yards? It, it, was, it's, it's, it, it was amazing to me um, just how poor you were in the vertical pass game. And we'll get into Hilton's drops a little bit later, so let's just focus on the lack of chunk yeah. plays here. It is a multitude of reasons. It's Houston saying we got beat in man in week seven on the rub and on the crossers. We're not going to play a whole lot of man. We're going to play so much zone. And we know if we drop seven-ish, the first profit Jacoby Brissett sees. He's taken. He takes that profit like you took a dollar from the tooth fairy and acted like you were on top of the world. Yep. Uh, back in the day, is a dollar kind of a steadfast rate for the Tooth Fairy, or is that? Am I kind of? Uh, that is seems it, like. A pr- I mean, is that I a mean, caramel, you did go to Cathedral, so that does make sense. Tooth Fairy for you, rate. But, uh, yeah, down in the South Side, it was like, damn. I mean, if you yeah. get a, if you get a quarter, you're feeling good. Okay. Yeah. I, I I did grow up in Carmel. I'm also the son of two teachers, so let's not act like I'm, <laughs> you know. That's true. <laughs> Living in the penthouses up Shout there. Shout out, Mr. and Mrs. Bone. Yes, obviously. They formed me into the exact person I want to be, so thank you, Mom and Dad. Um, It's just, it, it's been drilled into Jacoby Brissett, and I think it's been drilled into Frank Reich of like, we are going to take these checkdowns and we're going to live with them. And, and if you show me those passing numbers to end the game, what was it, 129 yards passing? Yes, it was. And Houston was missing what in the secondary? All of their good players. <laughs> right? <laughs> and J.J. Watt? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's – it's it, that to me is just what is so frustrating because there's a whole debate going into the game of like, should you run it? Should you throw it? And I was a big team run guy because I thought to myself, Watt? is out. They've been terrible stopping the run in the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a short week, mm-hmm. so you want to rely on your strength. You want to get back to the basics, as Frank Reich said, and keep it simple. 
But still, when you need to throw the football, I mean, shouldn't your play action be game be like <laughs> flowing, a For fountain sure. flowing of success? Like, shouldn't that be a huge aspect of where the Colts are right now? And and clearly it's not. And, you know, it, it impacted the play calling of Frank Reich. He pretty much said in that last drive, Joey, it was running on first down, running on second down, hope you get into third and manageable. And then that means you got a fourth down that'll be in fourth and manageable. Like, doesn't that sound like a high school football team that doesn't trust their punter? You know, it's like, yeah. hey, three yards in a cloud of dust. <laughs> yeah, and if you get three yards, four straight downs, you're moving the chains. Yeah, yeah, like, that's, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it sounds like. And I mean, I think I, uh, Frank Reich probably won't admit this publicly, and he might totally disagree with what I'm saying. I think he's hesitant with his play calling. I just don't think we saw this much underneath stuff. Yeah. With old Andy back there. Shout out to Andy becoming a father. Yeah, that was awesome. Lucy? Mm-hmm. I like that. Lucy Luck. Yeah, flows. Yeah. She'll be a great volleyball player. Yeah. Hell of an athlete. Good genes. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, because the wife was a gymnast at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I think I've said this before, I've had my critiques of Jacoby Brissett. I still have them, obviously. But this is not all on Jacoby Brissett. You, we can blame scheme. We can blame wideout personnel for sure. Um, the Colts' wideouts last night, and again, this is wideouts, plural. Nine targets, four catches, 30 yards. For your wideouts. You look on the other side of the field, and DeAndre Hopkins has support from Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. That was huge. I mean, Gosh, huge. Huge. how big was that aspect of the game? Remember, yeah. Fuller left in the first series of the first meeting. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I want to see Jacoby take more risks, man. I do. I do. And I, I was never maybe as overly critical as maybe others were on some of Andrew Luck's turnovers. I, I knew Luck turned the ball over, but he also made some huge plays for you vertically. Yeah. And I, I'm fine. I think you have to live with that. Like Watson. Threw a pick, also hit some huge chunks. Right. Like, it, it, it's a fine line with Jacoby of people saying, oh, well, he takes really good care of the ball, as is, oh, he just kind of gets that game manager title. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, for sure. It, you for know, sure. you got to be able to – that's a fine balance to walk there. And I'm walking the balance of give me more risk. I yeah. just think that's how you survive in today's NFL. And I don't even see risk. I don't even see, like, I'm afraid of heights. I'm not. I'm not asking Jacoby to go, you know, stand on the top of a roller coaster at Kings Island. Mm-hmm. I'm asking him to stand on the MS balcony and eat lunch out there with his, you know, paper sack over the balcony. Like I don't be a little, you know. Yeah. Hey, uh, you're at the tenth floor of a courtyard Marriott. You're gonna look over the courtyard in the middle, like with your friends. Like uh, be a little dangerous. Right. I'm not. Again, I'm not saying do something crazy, crazy, but. Just walk a little bit more on that plank than you're willing to walk. And you just, you aren't going to dink and dunk your way to victory, man. Right. You've had one passing play over 18 yards the last two weeks. One. I don't remember what it was. It's Jonathan Williams' screen, screen uh, on third, third and 19. 19. Yeah. I mean, that is 
we can get into all the stats. You know, you have one passing play over 14 yards. The Texans have seven plays over 19 mm-hmm. yards. I mean, you can put those up side by side. And it obviously speaks for the it, it, itself. And, again, I have – I think I've said this all year long. I'm not expecting the Colts to be a 300-yard passing offense. But it's when the opportunities arise, and that's why I think yards per attempt is such an important number. When the opportunities are there to create big plays in in the passing game, you've got to take advantage of them. No team can survive off 12-play, 80-yard drives for 16 weeks of the season and think you're going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You would have signed up for 20 points for the Texans at the start of the night. Oh, yeah. And lastly, before we move on, and I guess this is kind of my biggest Jacoby Brissett criticism. You know, I'd like to see him more willing to throw receivers open, take some 50-50 chances, things like that. But, Joey, I found myself, you know, I I don't know if it was was like 735 on the clock. You're down 2017. Mm -hmm. You take over after your defense gets a much-needed stop. And I found myself thinking, all right. Here we go. Insert, you know, uh, our, uh, our our Joker gif. Here we go. This is it. Right. Like, you're in prime time. Deshaun Watson's on the opposing sideline. It's the biggest effing game of the season. You're down. This is your chance to put together a drive that, who knows, maybe that could change everything and how Jacoby Brissett is viewed as this team's franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. Was it all on him on that final drive? No. But when you you don't even get to the 40 or wherever that drive ended up sputtering out, the crowd that does not believe in Jacoby Brissett has got a lot on their plate this morning that they can spew at the old water cooler. And I know there's been other games. There's been yeah. other games this year. But um, that was a chance to cement yourself as kind of, okay, Maybe this guy is really the franchise quarterback because the Colts love. I mean, Colts are obsessed. But uh, in that moment, your starting offense, led by your quarterback, did not deliver. It does seem odd, just even looking back to like week one, straight out of the gate. It seems like a totally different offense and feel and flow to it than it did last night in the biggest game of the year in week 12. Is that fair to say? Is that because of injury? Give me more. I don't. I, it just. It, it felt like, like person. People had reservations and questions going into the year, and then in week one they come out, and Jacoby is boom. He's efficient. He's firing darts. He, you know. And then and then last night in a game like that, I know they want to run the damn ball. I know on the road they want to physically impose themselves on their opponent, which you know they did in Kansas City. They did for a lot of the night last night, but it just doesn't seem to have that same kind of glue, that same yeah. kind of efficiency that we've seen in games like the first Houston game and games even like the Chargers game that they lost. You know, Jacoby Brissett was definitely better week one than he was last night. A huge fourth down conversion to Funchess in that game. Just made made more plays than he did last night. Is it still Russ coming off the injury? I... I'm going to go back to week one for just a second. Okay. Was it a 16-play drive, I want to say, to tie the game in week one? It was a long Something one. like that. Yeah. I want to say you ran it 11 times. Yeah. And even then... I think I mentioned on this podcast, when are we going to see the 80-yard drive down on the road where it's his right arm getting it done? And I know that's a very high standard, and it's probably kind of the last hurdle for any quarterback to ultimately clear. 
But in my opinion, you want to be a top 10 QB in this league? It's a, it's a hurdle you have to clear. It is a definite hurdle you have to clear. So personnel has changed a lot since, since week one, and that's why I say this is not all on his shoulders. But I need to see a little bit more risk out of my quarterback. I do. I do. And I, I say that if I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm if I'm Frank Reich, and um, yeah, you know, it's those those numbers, these passing game numbers for the Colts, they are historically low, and oftentimes when they've been this low, a quarterback that's been under center hasn't been the QB the next season. Um, I feel like I get the question every week. I just because what happened last night happened, I I still think Jacoby Brissett will be this team's week one starter in 2020. Unless the you know the the train truly gets off the rails here, um, but yeah, prime time divisional game. You need better from your passing offense. One of the reasons that the vertical passing game struggled the last handful of weeks is no Ty Hilton. Now that certainly doesn't help, but last night didn't help with his drops and his return to the lineup. You're a big Jersey guy, sure. You noticed the visor on him in warmups? I did. Clear visor. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the visor during the game, which he usually doesn't have the right. visor during the game. So I kind of found that odd. Antonio Brown used to do that a lot. He rocked the visor. He'd do visor in pregame warm up and then he would take it off. I don't know. Okay. I, yeah. I can't ever recall Hilton doing that. But um uh top three worst game as a pro. Probably. Yeah. For Hilton. Um three catches, eighteen yards, six targets for him. Are they blatant drops? Probably not. Are they drops? Yes. If Eric Ebron doesn't come down with those balls, we've packed his bags. We've sent him pack. He's probably blocked a thousand of you on Twitter for tweeting at him Mm -hmm. already. And I thought Hilton was brutally honest after the game. Brutally honest. They pay me the amount of money to come down with those balls. Yeah, They do. You're a star wideout. You're a number one wideout. This don't don't start with me that he's not a number one wideout. He's oh yeah, one, he's one of the best ten or fifteen sure. wideouts in the NFL. Um, he's got to make those plays, and you know, Joey, it's obviously so foreign to see him not make those plays, especially in that stadium, and especially in those moments. Third and four, both of them. Second half. Yep. I think back to last year's meeting in Houston. Frank Reich says, "Screw this! I ain't doing no four minute offense." I'm saying, Andrew Luck, go throw the ball to the best player on the field, and you ice the game with the ghost. You're trying to ice the game a little bit on on Thursday night. Then you're trying to get back in the game. You throw to your star, and he lets you down. Yep. Um, let's, let's look at both of the third and fours. The first one, you're up by four, late third quarter, and you had just broken their will on the Jonathan Williams touchdown drive. 11 plays, 10 runs. Reich, oh, I thought he got a little lot of, little too cute. He comes back with three straight passes. Yeah. Third pass is Hilton. Beautiful ball by Jacoby Brissett. Both the balls. Beautiful. Now, again, I will say let's take more of those chances because they aren't very high percentage. You aren't going to be able to hit on all of those. But that's that was for last segment, I should have said. Hargraves certainly touches the ball. Yeah. 
And Hilton, I know a lot of people are like, why is he body catching it? That Hilton does that. For sure. When he has the over the shoulder, he makes the basket catch and grasp it against his chest. Like that's he's always done that. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not anything unusual. Again, Houston had just kicked a field goal. Then you go three and out. Boom. Momentum to the home sideline. They score. Now they're up 2017. You come back. You're moving the ball a little bit. Third and four again. Great ball. I mean, did Jonathan Joseph get a fingernail on it? Barely. Barely looked like he got anything on that. And, you know, Hilton, you know, he just he looks like Hayward Bay. He looks like it just I'm I was sh- I was stunned, shocked. I might have been more shocked by those drops than Andrew Luck's freaking retirement, man. You're just, you're just so used to him making those plays, especially in that building. In that building, on those downs. Yeah. And it's Joseph, you know, it's it's the guy that called you the clown the year before and Yeah. Um yeah, he he didn't want to go anyway. Hilton didn't want to even touch that question about rust. He was like, "No way. That's on me." Yeah. That's on it was the longest layoff of his career. We should mention that. He played 25 snaps. So very low number. They wanted 20 to 30. Um, looked like in the first half, he was kind of testing that calf out a little bit more. Frank Reich said it tightened yeah. at, at time during the games. But, um, man, Jacoby's not going to put the ball in the money like that all night. And he's not going to take those chances down the field all night. Your star's got to make those plays. And, and that that might be the most frustrating aspect of this, of this game is that, okay, it's not Adam Vinatieri missing an extra point. Uh, we'll get into the defense here. Your defense still gave up 20 points. Like, those are all things you would sign up for. The Colts didn't lose this game because Marlon Mack was hurt. No. He ran for 175. Right. Um, shout out to the 1,332 people that tweeted at me if Jonathan Williams was going to start on Thursday night. I said he was. Um, he gave you what, what you wanted as a fantasy owner. And you talked about that on Monday, too. You said Ride the hot hand. I don't think that – you literally said, I don't think that because Marlon Mack is not going to play, you're going to look back and say, wow, they lost because no, of that. No, I, and that's not to discredit Marlon Mack too much. I just think that's a bit of a nature of the running back position and yeah. the benefit you do have from no line. But, man, I am a, I'm a big T.Y. Hilton guy. That was bad, man. Not used, not used to that at all. Yep. From uh, number thirteen, a usual recipe for disaster in the NFL. One of them is to not make any big plays on offense, and then have your opponent have a handful of splash plays. Saw that last night twice to Hopkins, and a few times to Fuller as well. You know, Matt Eberflus when he wakes up at two thirty in the morning in his sleep, he wakes his wife up and he says, "Effort, no loafs, no big plays." That's what he sleepwalks to. Mm-hmm. That That is a core, core belief. And it's been probably one of the most consistent aspects of this defense dating back to early last season. They have really done a nice job in not limiting the big plays. We know Houston's offense is really explosive, Joey. Like, that's what we saw last night was not breaking news. And, I mean, damn, were those some good throws and catches. Yes. Outside Incredible. of the busted coverage, I mean... I've always said that about Houston. What always scares me, I think the Colts are the better team, 1-53, to but their elite talent, oh, they got dudes. Yeah. They got dudes, and I put seven or eight U's when you're spelling out that dude. Yeah. 
Um, what really, really stands out to me about the big plays last night, down in distances on those plays. Let's dive deeper into that. Second and 13 on the busted coverage. Hopkins wide open. Reggie Wayne, Super Bowl wide open. How? How? Not DeAndre Carter open in the middle of the end zone. Not Daniel Fells. I don't know. I'm trying to pull out these random Houston skill players. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Was DeSeer supposed to pass it off to Hooker? That can't happen on second and 13, especially at that part of the field, you know? Fast forward to the second half. The other Hopkins play, Hooker looked like just a bit hesitant. Like, should I go over the top and help Pierre? Is there someone underneath I need to worry about? And there did look like there was someone underneath he needed to worry about. But still, at that point, I'm thinking to myself, second and 10, that point of the field, they've already beat you once over the top. Keep it in front of you. Don't let don't don't let him quick quick strike you. Because I, I didn't think the defense was horrific. Last night, it was just the amount of big plays. Mm. And then the two plays to Fuller, I think one was a first and 10. The other was a first and 20. What's the scouting report on Will Fuller? (laughs) Going deep. I watched him at Notre Dame for years. He had some terrible drops. But, man, he made Adore Jackson look stupid Mm -hmm. against USC. Which is why he probably got taken. He got chosen in the first round. Honestly, yeah. um, you, we know the scouting report on Fuller. It's go, go, go! Like those are the plays. Those are the deep balls. And did Tell and Moore have decent coverage? Definitely Moore, especially on the second one. But you'll give up underneath the Fuller. You don't want to give up. And and what you know, Watson, he wants to go down the field. Like mm-hmm. if you give him any hope, he's going to take chucking. a shot. Yeah. And so um, I think that was just – that was probably the most frustrating. And also because your defense was pretty darn healthy. I know no Willis or Rock, but you look back to week one, Joey, that's pretty much your starting defense that we saw out there mm-hmm. on the field last night. Um, the last thing on the defense before, before, before we move on. I'm okay with spying, obviously. I, I think that's what you need to do. And I, I think you also want to play more zone against Houston because you want more eyes on Watson. I didn't love spying with a fat guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I get it. When you spy with three, it's kind of like, all right, that means one, you know, one big guy's got it. I shouldn't say fat guy. I'm sorry. Um, you know, but like Grover Stewart as a spy? Like, is he really going to close down any sort of running lane? Right. He can spy on him. He can look at right. him. Right. He's just got to let somebody else know. I was going to say, yeah. Um, let's let Leonard do that. Let's let Okariki do that. Walker, Gathers, whoever. Um, that was my only real criticism. <laughs> Dude, Watson's good. He's really good. Um, but yeah, the big plays, the down and distances. Like, get ah, this is not a second and one. Here comes a chunk. This is not a third and three. Cover one, cover zero. No, these are like vanilla defense. Cover two principles to a T. 
And th- that's just what I think makes you say, yeah, darn it. Yeah. Fiddlesticks. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. A couple things that you did like uh, from last night. And we know T.Y. Hilton and Jacoby Brissett going into last night had had a really, really a lot of success against the Texans. But now Kenny Moore is starting to become one of those guys that, for whatever reason, is just always making plays down there. And in so many different ways. You know, slot blitz, interception, pass deflection, whatever. Um Joey, he's he is such a good football player. Yeah, I think we've always mentioned on this podcast. I felt like he's easily one of the team's most important players, but he's also one of this team's best players. And I'm glad that he's starting to get the national attention a little bit more. You know, there's a weekly conference call with opposing coaches, and I feel like you're starting to hear that of like that guy's one of the most underrated players, underrated corners for sure that our league has to offer and. He's so key in playing Houston. You know, him and Leonard are so vital to what Matt Eberflus wants to do. So I, I know Jabal Sheard got a little fingertip on that interception. But, I mean, without that Kenny Moore play, that, that sparked things for you. You know, that sets up the early Jacoby Brissett scramble for a touchdown, and that, that gets you going. You know, then you put Hines into the game, and you start moving a little bit with that drive. So I just wanted to mention Kenny Moore um, – it might be more of a kind of like, I got a crush on this guy, how he plays football. I was talking to him in the locker room earlier this week. I'm like, let me guess. You were Gary Payton in high school on the basketball floor. And then I think to myself, dude, he probably doesn't even know who Gary Payton is. Yeah. You know, he's so young. And he just smiled and laughed. He was like, nah, man, I'm, I was Westbrook. And, you know, obviously <laughs> every NFL player acts like they were the greatest basketball player Growing up, but he he did say that he was more of a a distributor and a lockdown defender. I mean, yeah. you imagine him just a little bulldog. Next week, can you? Well, I don't even know what their availability is like next week. But can you ask him if he wrestled? Can we figure that the, out? So but that that was also my first question. I go, did you wrestle? Did we we did we talk about that yeah, last, last week? Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were the one that maybe spark put that idea in my head. So I asked him. I'm like, you wrestle? He's like, no, but I played everything. Played soccer. It looks like a great. That dude could run for days. Yeah, yeah he would on be. the soccer field. Um, but he said, yeah, he was definitely soccer, soccer, basketball, football, and I think ran track. I don't think he played baseball. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, he was like, yeah, I was pretty much guarding the other team's best perimeter For point sure. guard, yeah. whatever. And he just, he just he has that mindset to him. So Chris Ballard, and, again, credit that scouting department. Chris Ballard has mentioned this before. He was not sold on Kenny Moore. Credit Kevin Rogers, Ed Dodds, a few of those guys in that scouting department. Um, they did a nice job in trying to sell Chris Ballard on it. And then um, credit to Chris Ballard for giving him the contract exemption Kenny Moore deserved this past offseason. One last thing that you liked, and it was going to be a huge factor going into last night's game. Obviously, no Marlon Mack. What's going to happen with Jonathan Williams in the run game? thought Jonathan Williams and Naheem Hines when he came yeah. in were effective. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you put uh, put Hines into this group as well. You know, you ran for 175, Joey. Man, my voice is teetering right now. Um, yeah, it's a rough – it's a, it's early. It's yeah. after a late night for both. Yeah, a lot of early radio this week for your boy. Um, I mean, that's a four-string running back giving you over 100 yards. Like, that's commendable. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Wilkins played one offensive snap. Frank Reich said, uh, pretty much emergency situation. 
Marlon Mack's going to miss a few weeks. And I felt like in the back of Frank's mind, it was kind of like, let's not push Wilkins if we don't have to push him. And let's not sit here and be like, if Jordan Wilkins would have played 10 snaps, the Colts would have won that football game. No, stop it. You got what you needed to get out of your run game. Um, So, again, kudos to Jonathan Williams. Ironically enough, his last start was in that building in the 2014 Texas Bowl. Wow. Where Arkansas beat um, the University of Texas in that game. So, I I just think job well done from the running game. It's what I expected. No Watt. You know, I think for those of you that saw my Twitter account and and read the content on 1075thefan.com, I expected the Colts to find success in the run game. So I'm not too surprised, but I still want to mention, no Marlon Mack, you produced really well. And uh, kudos to uh, Jonathan Williams and Naeem Hines, who, as you've said, Joey, we're not used to that being the norm out of him. You know, him running for five yards per carry or over that isn't what we are accustomed to from him. So I thought he provided this offense a big spark and um, good work by him. Before we get into Twitter questions, Kevin, let's address what happened on the second-to-last play of the game, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty wild. The fan actually tweeted out, needs some maniac uh, magic here. And on that very next play, there was Watson going towards Leonard, and, of course, the dude punches it out. Now, he punched it out. It was clearly out after the highlight. No doubt about that. Correct, yeah. What happens after that? Why was there not more of a look? What happened? God, th- thank you for bringing this up because I kind of forgot about it. Um, a couple things. Let's first go over how the refs called it. They did call it a forced fumble on the field. They also called it Deshaun Watson recovered it. Mm-hmm. They did review it. Now, I need my boy, Ronald Tolbert, Tolbert, I think was the official. I need my boy to get on the mic. And I don't, you know, I know his mic wasn't working all night, but you yell. There's, there weren't many fans in that stadium last night. Give me something, bro. Like, let me know what's going, be transparent. Come on. Like, they reviewed it back in New York and just classic Bill O'Brien timeout. (laughs) Like, what? what? Like, what? (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. God, I'm like, wait, do the Colts have another timeout that I missed? Right. um, And they they came over to Frank on the sideline and told him, not clear review by Leonard. Uh, Excuse me, not clear recovery by Leonard. Mm -hmm. And the NFL officiating account tweeted after the game, in Colts-Texans, officials on the field ruled a fumble recovered by the offense. There was no clear visual evidence of a recovery by the defense. So, again... They called it a fumble. They just didn't say Leonard recovered it, obviously. Where I have issues is this. No sense of urgency from that sideline official coming into that play. Very lackadaisical and like casually being like, oh, yeah, that ball might have came out. Oh, Deshaun Watson looks like he has two arms on it, mm-hmm. two arms around it. Okay, Houston ball. And, and, and the head official quickly puts three in the air. To say third down, basically say the offense recovered it. Come on, give me more urgency. That's you know the, the defense yeah. is punching at it. Hell, you study your opponent. Like, referees watch film of the teams they're getting ready to officiate. 
you know what Darius Leonard's known for. Mm-hmm. And at that point of the game, he's going to be punching like yeah. you know, Tyson. So get into that pile earlier. Like, come on. that That's where I have the issue. Does Leonard recover it? You freeze frame it right after he punches it. It looks like he does have a one-armed grasp of the ball against his belly. Now, Watson's hand, and I probably should say hands, it looks like Watson did have a hand or two around it, mm-hmm. maybe kind of simultaneous possession, which tends to always go to the offense. So when we hear the phrase clear recovery, I probably can't go there. Yeah. I, I just, and it was a cloud. It got very cloudy very quickly. A lot of bodies in there. And yep, just, yep. It, it just got murky. Again, officials, get in there quicker. Just get in there quicker and, and provide transparency. That's what I would have liked to have seen in that moment. Having said that, the Colts would have taken over at the 35 yard line with a minute 40 to go and no timeouts. That wishbone offense wasn't moving past the 50. I mean, you would have yeah. needed, you know, how many three-yard gains can get you into field goal range? For sure, you know it's, and I know I'm. That's probably me being a little, little snark, little snarky there, but um, still, that's a whistle that uh, I think the Colts got the short end of that. Well, and on the bright side, you know, if you're a Colts fan, at least you didn't have to sit through a possible Adam Vinatieri, you know, miss anything like that. So you did lose the game, but. Yeah, that's one less thing you got to worry about. You're always looking for positives. Yeah, you know, hey, trying. eight straight makes. Yeah, no, for sure. No, it looks really good. Brad but it, anybody who said that in that last <laughs> moment, you know, the, that last drive there that they were thinking, oh, God, <laughs> you know, you're lying. Okay? Was, you're probably right on the fringe. You probably needed one more first down on that last drive before you had a field goal range. Yeah, if Jacoby would have gotten that on that scramble yeah. on that fourth and seven. Just, oh you know, 10 more yards. My palms, I feel like Eminem, my palms just got sweaty yeah. thinking about exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do some Twitter questions. All right. You know, what's kind of our tone after losses with Twitter questions? I feel, I'll be crazy. I feel like we get tons. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And it's like, a, I think it's looked at as just kind of like a vent sesh. Like it's like mm-hmm. a vent chat room for people to just come in and throw something like kind of pissed off and snarky but still have a legitimate question. Okay. So we're a bit therapeutic? Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. Nice nice word there. All right, From uh, we'll start with at Smooth Smith. says, this could be me being naive, but I feel like Reich's play calling doesn't let Jacoby sling the ball like many Colts fans would like to see. Is this more of a Jacoby doesn't like to take deep shots or Reich doesn't let Jacoby take the deep shots? Don't leave Smooth Smith open in the corner. If you're right. pl- yeah, and if you're a guy like name with a Smooth Smith, you're playing at lifetime. You aren't leaving him open in the corner for sure. Um, you know it's weird, uh, Joey. I feel like I almost called you Jacoby. Um, <laughs> I feel like in 2017 the chunk vertical passing game was kind of there for the Colts, and we know Jacoby's got a big arm, but I think it's both, and I probably think it's like more more so on Frank, honestly, that he's ingrained into Jacoby so much. Profit, profit, profit. Like, don't protect it. Rely on our run game. I almost feel like, which I don't love that from from Frank either. So, I I think it is a it is a lot of schematic play calling. But then when you're out there in the course of a game, 
I'd say like it's 53%, I guess, what I'm trying to say on Frank, but it's still a lot on the quarterback to where you've got to be willing to take a chance or two as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, does this come from Bill Parcells coaching Jacoby up back in the day? I mean, I I don't know that, but, um, you know, it's both of those guys that I think have, have played into kind of this underneath we're going to survive. Michael Taylor says, given the Adam Vinatieri situation this year, do you think the Colts will do the same with Brissett down the road? Given how much Frank Reich loves, I think they will set, settle for an average instead of taking a chance on somebody different. Sorry, get, get, give that to him one more time. So he wants to know, because of the Adam Vinatieri situation this year, do you think the Colts will have the same mindset with Brissett as no, you know, no. Frank Reich and Ballard really love him? So. They better not. And obviously the biggest difference with Vinatieri is he's got the track record. Jacoby doesn't have the track record. Um, So it is definitely different. And I know that they love him, and they love his toughness, and they love his leadership, and they think there are a lot of qualities there that are a franchise quarterback. Um, But I don't think it's exactly the same to Vinatieri. I think it's a different – there are a couple similarities, but I think largely it's different. And, I mean, I have said this so many times – throughout the past few months, ever since Andrew Luck called it quits about three months ago, the Colts cannot, cannot look at Jacoby Brissett with rose-colored glasses. You're in a position in what appears to be a loaded quarterback draft class with great draft capital to make a move if you feel like a move is needed. So you have got, got to, got to critically evaluate Number seven. All right, Joey had to go. Um, yeah, he's pulled an Andrew Luck on me. No, in all seriousness, he uh, got called into a meeting with higher-ups, and I'm <clears throat> nowhere near that. So it's going to be me for the rest of the show, reading some Twitter questions. We'll see if my voice can hang in there. All right, Conroy, Colts, Forge. When can we expect River on to be fired? But really, do you think T.Y. not practicing much and missing the last few weeks affected his ability to get open and or maybe catch some passes? I mean, Hilton was pretty adamant all week long. He doesn't need practice, and yes, it was the longest layoff of his career. And I, I you know, missing three weeks is missing three weeks. And Hilton is adamant, and he barely even practiced late last season, and still caught the ball at a really high level. So I don't know. I I don't think it was as much of that, to be honest with you. It was just just a, such a foreign foreign night for T. Y. Hilton. Sam, do you find this team particularly hard to grade when evaluating the players this year compared to other years? It seems like multiple players have had both horrific and excellent games, making it hard to grade which result is more accurate. Vinny and Bursett come to mind. Um, well, doesn't that just mean that they're average? You know, I, I feel like that's kind of how you look at grades. Um, throw out the high, throw out the low, and find the median. I. I would call Jacoby Brissett and Adam Vinatieri, Adam Vinatieri season below average. Jacoby's, Jacoby Brissett's season probably pretty average, to be honest with you. So I don't know if it's particularly hard to grade. I, I think inconsistency <laughs> can define you from a grading standpoint. Steven asks a wild one. If you're forced to cut one of Leonard, Hooker, Mack, or Brissett tomorrow, who would you choose? Uh, honestly, if I have to cut one tomorrow, that means I'm playing the rest of the year without them. I'm probably cutting Mac. Right? I mean, you don't. I don't think you want Brian Hoyer starting the rest of the season. I'd roll with Jonathan Williams, Naeem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins before I'm cutting 
Jacoby Brissett. Um, now, maybe if you're looking long term, that might change your answer. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was a baited question for me to just say Jacoby Brissett. All right, Yuri chimes in. Big fan, love listening every week. Thanks, Yuri. Just wondering why there is such a difference in JB versus man and zone. I've not seen a QB look so flustered against one and cannot function with another. Is the excuse me? Is the run game masking so many flaws? Not saying he's trash. You know, I'd make the argument that even against man coverage, it's not like the Colts passing game has flourished. You know, there's been moments where you've hit those crossers and, and you've hit those rub routes, but um, certainly against zone, there was a lot of struggles last night. And whether it's the inability for receivers and tight ends to settle into their, those zones or Jacoby, you know, handling his progressions and, and waiting for guys to find spots in those zones. Um, you know, I think he'd rather see man than zone. For sure, um, because if he's going to see zone, we just might as well get used to three-yard checkdowns all night long. Um, we got one here from Jabroni. Love your show. Great stuff. Look forward to the podcast every week. One simple question. Should Braden Smith be playing guard? Thanks, Jabroni, for the uh, for the tweet. Um, he shouldn't be playing guard with this current setup because I think he is one of your two best tackles. I, I don't think Joe Hager, right tackle, would look much better than this. Having said that, it's a definitely a question that I think the Colts have to ask themselves during the offseason. Put Braden Smith at guard, draft a new tackle. It would probably bump the need for a tackle high up on that list. Um, I'm not sold on the Colts definitely thinking that's that's the answer, but I mean, clearly... Clearly, we have seen issues with the right side of that offensive line here um, now for several weeks. Ben Orr asks, how many diapers before Andrew Luck is back in the NFL? Oh, <laughs> uh, I had a good buddy of mine text me a few days after Luck retired and said, once he changes his first diaper, that dude will be crawling back to West 56th Street. <laughs> uh, congrats to Andrew Locke Congrats to his wife Nicole I'm glad everything Seems to be good on that front Nine days old Is that the baby? I believe Young OG asks Do we have a real shot At winning the division still? Um, I wouldn't say a real shot I would say a shot So how the, how the uh, you know, tiebreakers Play out is this You've obviously split Head-to-head tiebreaker You're 3-1 and one in the division the Texans are 3-1 and one in the division. That's the next tiebreaker. The Texans still have two games with Tennessee, two out of the last three weeks of the year. You have home to Tennessee next week and then at Jacksonville to close out the year. So let's say that your division tiebreaker stays the same. Then you go to common games. So obviously your division, AFC West, NFC North. The Colts are not in a favorable position. I think they're two games down, I believe, in common games. If they were to somehow make that up, then you go to conference record. And I think the Colts are three games down in conference record. So you need Houston to lose twice, probably, and for you to win out. Now, I mean, good news is the Texans play, you know, New England next week. Bad news, you still got a game in New Orleans. I think the schedules are the exact same from a record standpoint the rest of the way. 
Dakota Smith, why does Brissett get unfairly criticized and Luck didn't? Boy, I couldn't disagree with that anymore. I think Luck <laughs> got pretty criticized, to be honest with you. People were not pleased with some of his turnovers, and Brissett should be fairly criticized right now. It's a passing offense that has definitely struggled. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with that with that question at all. Um, Gregory asks, hey, Cabo, non-Colts related question, but curious, do any starting QBs still serve as holders on field goal teams? Got thinking about Rigo kicking and who would hold. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. We'll have a podcast next week before Thanksgiving as well. Um, I, I think primarily it is punters. You know, backup quarterbacks I think mean a lot more maybe in the NFL than some college programs view them. I'm sure there are some backup QBs that, that, that still do the holding, but I think primarily it is punters. Tim, two questions. Do you think this team would be undefeated if Luck was still playing? No, I don't. Would I, do I think they'd have a better record than 6-5? and five? Definitely. Do you think Ballard should use as our first-round pick to draft a quarterback? I don't. I don't think he uses it. Um, my answer is fluid, but as of right now, I don't think the Colts will. I don't think Ballard will use a first-round pick. Again, that's not my opinion. You're asking me, do I think Ballard uses a first-round pick? I'm going to say no. All right, a few more questions here before we wrap up. Kit, yikes, where was Malik Hooker? Kid, that's a great question. You know, we talk about him as a center field safety. We talk about him, you know, being that last line of defense. And I know his responsibility has grown. And it's not necessarily just last line of defense. But that was not a good game for Hooker. And, you know, without knowing everything, it looked like maybe more of the first touchdown was on him than the second. You know, do you – I just – if I'm Hooker, I'm thinking to myself, I got to know where Hopkins is all game long. And again, who knows what his responsibility was on those four deep plays, but we've praised Malik Hooker when this defense has a, been very good and not allowing big plays, so I think he deserves some blame when you give up the amount of chunks that were given up. Scotty, at what point are we going to stop loving them picks and get a couple of legit receivers? I get Ballard wants to build a monster, but we're going to throw away some great talent like Leonard and Big Q while we are waiting. It's pumping brakes on throwing away great talent. Um, yeah, I mean, wideout is, 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 again, a major, major need for this team in 2020. You know who looks great in all of this? Devin freaking Funches. <laughs> I mean, him on the inactive list or non-IR, I mean, that that looks, wow, that's a strong case for him to come back, isn't it? I say that half-jokingly, but, yeah, I mean, draft capital has got to be used on wideouts, and from everything you, you read, it sounds like a historically great wideout class. Adam, nearly every starter in their secondary and their best defensive player were out. Who is to blame for this atrocious offense, Brissett included, in this well-below-average zone-heavy defense? Do you feel Frank has no confidence in Jacoby, so he's running a lot, and no confidence in the defense, so we do zone? We can't seem we can't seem to fire our kicker or win by more than three points. That, that again, I think is the most maddening part. This Texans defense is terrible from a pass defense standpoint without so many key pieces in their secondary no J.J. Watt and you couldn't throw it freaking 10 yards down the field 
that's maddening. The inability to create the vertical passing game. So yeah, it's it, it's if you're making a pie chart, it's on Bursette, it's on Reich, and it's on the wide receiver personnel. It's on all of those. I I I, I would love to give some truth serum to Frank Reich and, and all right, do you have the same level of confidence in opening up your playbook as you did with Andrew Luck? There's no way, no way he does. Cody. What do you think about Hines' usage these past weeks without our top receivers and now Marlon Mack? I feel like we should have used him more in empty sets or even two running back sets. Yeah, I, I his usage, which again, like late last season, remember when Hines just like disappeared? I know he had the big drop last night, but he gives you something post-catch that you would like a little bit more chunk play out of him, but he at least gives you a burst, especially without Paris Campbell. There is no one on this roster that gives you hope after the catch right now. After the touch, honestly. If you aren't going to get anything vertically, that's where Hines has got to come into play. I mean, hell, he had your longest play last night. All right, three more here. Chicota. Assuming Mac is healthy next year and just as good, if not better, since he's been getting better each year, do we pay Mac when this front offense is pretty good at finding running back talent and this O-line is this O-line? Yeah, I think you still pay Marlon Mack. You know, I'm not sitting here saying you pay him too absurdly high. Um, you know, I don't view Mac as that that valuable to where he needs to be one of your whatever top five or ten highest paid players at. I, I don't think I, – I say that in just how I view the running back position and what you saw from Jonathan Williams last night. But having said that, I think having a consistent presence in the backfield is noteworthy and something that you should have. So um, I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, just you'll find a running back on waivers every week. No, no, no. I, I think you give Marlon Mack some money. You have money to give him. It's not like you're re-signing a quarterback to a $140 million deal anytime soon. Or at least I don't think you are, but – yeah. All right, Colts fan and Cincy, now that the season is over, okay, uh, do you think it's time to evaluate Chad Kelly to see what he has since Jacoby has proven that he can't carry a team like Luck or Manning could? Well, that's just a – yeah, that, that, that's a terrible question, honestly. Thanks for listening, though. Um, Season's not over. They will not be evaluating Chad Kelly. You need to evaluate Jacoby Brissett. Like – this is a critical, critical stretch of the season. You got to evaluate QB1. No time to evaluate Chad Kelly. I'd be stunned if Chad Kelly. <laughs> we know about Chad Kelly's antics. Like, I don't think that locker room trusts trust Chad Kelly, to be honest with you. Lastly, Andrew, do you think the Colts will re-sign extend Marlon Mack or continue to build the offensive line and draft the running back in the middle rounds? Similar question to what we just had. I, I would assume that you extend him. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe the injury situation puts some pause on that, but I, I would guess that you that you do extend him. Not, not, nothing too crazy, but um, yeah. All right, everybody, thank you for the Twitter questions. We appreciate them as always. We'll probably be back Tuesday-ish, probably Tuesday. Get you a podcast if you're traveling on Wednesday for Thanksgiving. So uh, appreciate you all listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, We'll be back again on Tuesday. Everyone have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.